What's holding you back in your online business and scaling your portfolio of businesses? Hi, I'm Joe Kraus. I'm the host of the Buying Online Businesses podcast. And today, I'm speaking with Carl Broadbent, a good mate of mine who went from a regular job to building a portfolio of niche websites, making him well over tens of thousands of dollars now and continues to build his portfolio. And he builds and sells websites to the public as well. So, Stay tuned. There's some cool things. He shares where he sells his websites. He shares how much he sells his websites for, how he builds them up to a certain range and then sells them. Uh, we also, at the start of this podcast episode, talk a lot about mindset. You know I love mindset. Um, it's super important being an online business owner to have your have the right mindset and what it actually takes to stay in this for the long haul and the journey and how to you know, continue down the track even with external environment holding you back at times. We also talk about how many sites Carla started, how many actually has now, how many he's sold. Then we talk about his content creation process. We talk about how he gets content created, what that looks like. We talk about how large his team is, how many pieces of content they're putting out per month roughly, what they do with it. We also talk about how to make money. I share this little thing that Carl could do to grow his YouTube channel. Uh, for his website and actually making more money from affiliates without him having to create the content himself. Uh, So we talk a bit about how you can use video and why video is super valuable for blogging and for your online business and what Google looks for when they're testing your business to see, you're testing your blog to see if it is a real business as well. We also move into link building, a little bit about the industry and there's so much value in this podcast episode. I'm certain you guys are going to love it. It's a bit of a longer episode because there's just so much good things we talked about, but I'm sure you're going to see that's absolutely worth it. Let's go. Let's go. Let's dive in. What's up? This is Jared, and I am stoked to have you here. Before we dive into the show, I want to remind you that for a limited time, you can get one-to-one voice note mentoring with me to help you buy and grow your online business. I'm opening up just a few slots of voice note coaching to give you one-to-one access to me via Coachbox. You'll tell me your goals and challenges and we'll work through them together. I'll ask questions, I'll tell you what I think, and we'll get you ticking boxes and achieving your online income goals. You can message me anytime and I'll respond within 48 hours. Right now, you can get 20% off by using the coupon code JARYD, that's J-A-R-Y-D, and I'll drop the link in the show notes so you can find out more. Until then, let's get on with the episode. Carl. Hello, welcome back. Yeah, hi. Thanks for having me. Episode one five one is when we were last chatted. So now we're wow. around the two hundred and thirty range. So it's been about a year and a half since we chatted. You've been very busy. Yeah, you've been busy too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So time of recording, you would have just had your affiliate gathering uh, event. Uh, about a month, month. This will, this will go live about a month or so after that. And the first one was a success. I have no doubt this 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 last one was a massive success. And you're going to do more in the future, right? Obviously, please. Yeah, yeah. Try, trying to do them annually. We've also rolled out this year smaller what we call social meetups, mm. so affiliate gathering socials, where we try and get to smaller venues so we can do more events, reach more people. Mm-hmm. We know most a lot of people can't travel, you know, 
uh, across the world to come to an ev- one day event we get that so we are trying to be as kind of inclusive to everybody as possible so mm. uh, straight after the event that's just happened we're doing one in spain so alex from wp eagle he's got one in malaga cool. that he's holding so we're just doing and then, then there's not going to be any speakers or anything at those they're going to be more just social meetups just a chance for everybody just to have a coffee together have a drink talk shop you know you know what we're like you know yeah. entrepreneurs and affiliate marketers as soon as you put two of them in a in a place together they never stop talking about work so yeah just a chance to do that with somebody who understands what you're talking about and it's very different in person right like we i think it's Mm. so valuable to know that you're on the journey with other people and it's it's one thing to listen to a podcast and watch a youtube video of somebody else doing it say somebody's listening to us and we're on the same journey uh as as everybody listening but it feels like there's a massive gap and a massive difference. We actually hold, uh, within our community, we have networking and accountability group calls run by some of our leaders in our in our program. Uh, and people just absolutely love it because they get to see that everybody else is doing the same thing, ask one of the questions, just hang out and feel so much more comfortable being like a, pa- a part of a community. And that's just digitally. Like you doing it in, in person is is huge. I know that I'm going to an event in two weeks' time with Flipper uh, and a, a couple of friends that are going and then I'm going to be meeting a couple of people from our community as well. But it's just it's way more personal and way more fulfilling in person, right? You, you feel more connected and more, you know, friends with somebody. You do a virtual call. As soon as you hit end, kind of it's cut off and mm. whether you pick the phone up to them again sometimes it doesn't happen you always say yeah let's jump on a call next week and it just kind of doesn't happen but when you're in there in person you can kind of pat them on the back put your arm around them shake their hands you just feel really connected to them and you you kind of walk away thinking i've got a friend that's what i always think you know I, i've got a friend now the last little social meetup we had was uh, the London one. We went to one in London. About 30 people showed up. Mm. Some people, one, one gentleman threw in from Singapore for the day. Um, and just, you know, I got to Techie's contact details and I said to him, listen, if you want a little bit of mentoring, whatever, you know, let's do it. Let's help each other out. Mm. And I learned so much from people there. You know, one gentleman had an email list that was tiny. It was, I thought mine was quite small. I don't actively build it. But his was even smaller than mine. He was making thousands a month. And I was picking his brains. How do you do it? How do you do it? You know, and it was just that connection we made together. We've since commented and chatted. And I wouldn't have made that on a, a Skype call or, a you know, a Zoom meeting. Yeah, definitely. It's just the funny thing is a lot of people just think, all right, content sites, blogs, it's just content, ads and affiliate revenue. But there's seriously so much more in in it. Like I, I like to the email marketing. I'm working with a lot of my clients growing their businesses, and tapping into email marketing, you can actually earn so much more than ad revenue just through email yeah. marketing. And you don't need EEAT to promote, you know, to promote things and and sell products through an email list. It's it's one. No, there are there are some fantastic email lists going around at the moment. In fact. Kind of got a little bit of the um, the imposter syndrome recently. Reading some of the email lists, they're so so good. Reading some of the emails going out. Um, niche website lady has one. Uh, John from Fat Stacks has some. There's some amazing emails going round, and their organisation and their strategic plan with their emails, you can just see it. Mm-hmm. It's so clear and so good. And you know, every one of them has a paid ad 
in the email. I last year my email list made me more money than than one of my biggest sites. It, mm. I was just I couldn't sell enough email spaces. In fact, I was kind of running out of things to email about because advertisers were saying. I want to be in Tuesday's edition. Get me out in Wednesday's edition. I was like, I only put one out a week. Uh, and I just literally couldn't write as many emails to get all those spots in. So mm. I kind of reined it back a little bit and started focusing on something else. But yeah, like I say, so many opportunities, you know, to make money mm. uh, and to grow your business in this space. And that's what I love about it. That's the diversity in this industry is incredible. I'm, I'm always wanting to start new different projects but i'm always trying to rein myself in a little bit and be a bit more strategic I, last year i was all over the place so it's i'm, I'm trying I'm, I'm, I'm trying this year to be focused but yeah it's not working <laughs> I'm it's trying. very it's very tricky being this funny thing is people are like oh i just wish i was just a natural entrepreneur like you and that's great but all of our strengths, our greatest strengths, it can be our weaknesses and double-edged swords like that, sh like, oh, like I could do this and forget like yeah. the 80-20 of it is like, let's make sure that's good and then maybe put a little bit of time testing to other things. But it's a, it's a tricky thing. Um, yeah, I mean, I asked. To, I've done a few interviews myself uh, this this last month uh, at the run up to the affiliate gathering, and a few questions I asked in there was, what you know, what keeps you motivated? And the majority of people kept coming back and saying two things: one was competition mm. with themselves or with others, so they mm. either wanted to get more views on their YouTube channel, or they wanted to outrank the competition, or they wanted to just beat their numbers that they did last year or last month. Competition was a very strong thing. And then the second point is a lot of people kept saying they th they felt it was kind of inbuilt in them that they, they had that drive to get up every morning at, you know, 7.30 in the morning and do a podcast and things like that. They, they kind of just said, I, 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 sometimes I don't think you can teach that. I think it's got to be there inside you that you're self-motivated and driven because it is a lonely business. There's nobody stood behind you saying, come on, Carl, you didn't write three blog posts today. Get going, get going. They're just meal girls. You know, do you know what? I'll have, I'll have another cup of tea. I'll do it in an hour's time and sometimes you do it. It's a funny thing when you actually start to – it's because you – you very similar to me, right? You came out of a, a, a regular nine-to-five job to get yeah. into a position where you could do the full-time income when yeah. I was transitioning out and I was making a little bit of money, then I started making a bit more money and I'm sure that you're the same and a lot of other people are like, oh, once you start making a little bit more money, you become a little bit more lazy with, oh, it's like, I, you, you, not that you drop the ball. I know that I just slowed down a little bit, uh, but I think that's a good thing. I think it's we go through that phase of, slow down and then when you are having that cup of tea you're thinking about more strategic ways and, and plans and the, coming back to the the i want to really touch on the um the motivation for people because i had a coaching client ask me like how did you when when you were going through jared trying to find and buy your first business few businesses how did you keep that fire in your belly and like you said it's innate it's innate in some of us but i also think that we can we can draw inspiration and we can build up that fire in our belly with great mindset techniques and strategies. And I think it's, it's really coming back to focusing on that vision. And if you want that vision bad enough, then, and you focus on it, 
then that's going to provide that that fire and that drive. What are your thoughts on that? Because that's the hardest yeah. thing, keeping that mindset and keeping that fire and drive to go. I think that would fall into kind of the you know, the competition with yourself category yeah. that, you know, you, you're setting them goals, whether it be money, monetization, whether that be a career, you want to quit your job, whether your goal is to prove to your partner that you can do it. That was one of mine, you know, one of my drives, which sometimes you're blessed in life where things happen at the right time, and the right reason. Mm. I was working corporate ladder. I was a trader for a large co uh, company. I was doing really well. I started building these sites on the sideline and I just went into work. And one day I happened to just say to my boss, oh, I've got a website. And um, we went in a meeting, was going into the meeting with about 30 senior managers. And I sat in this meeting and the boss was there and he had the big screen behind him. And he started hooking his phone up and stuff. And I thought, what's he doing? What's he messing with his phone? He kept looking over and sm smirking. And I thought, what's he doing? And he says, oh, Carl thinks he's going to be the next Elon Musk. Look, he's built a website. And he put the website up on the, on the, in the office. No. And he showed an article to everybody. And it was full of grammar and spelling mistakes. Mm. It was horrendous. And I was, I was absolutely mortified. And he did it in a lighthearted way. Everybody was laughing and joking and commenting. And I walked out of there and I thought, right, I'm going to show you. Mm, and I went, ho I went home and I said to my wife, in six months, I'm quitting my job. And, and I told her all about it. And she knew I was building websites. And she says, okay, well, this is what you need to do. You need to prove to me for six months, you could bring in double your income. So by in uh, month six, you need to be earning double what you are in your job. Then if you quit your job, we've got a little bit of a leeway. So I went back in the next morning. I told my boss, this is what I'm going to do. And he was really supportive. He was like, okay, I'll tell you what, That's I'll give you six months carry on working, I'll give you six months to grow it, and I want you to prove to me that you have that income. I said, that's funny, my wife wants the same. He said, right, you prove to me and her that you're earning more than you are now, and then I'll consider it. Six months later, I went back to him and I said, right, there's the numbers. And he said, right, fantastic, you've proved it, but what I'm going to do is I'm going to put you on, on a garden leave. So I'm going to reduce, I'm going to take you off the system, but you'll still be in the company. So if it doesn't work, you can come back. That's so I was great. like, fantastic. So it gave it gave me a little bit of a, a chance to have a go at it. And luckily it worked out. But I always had that safety net of being able to say to my boss, hey, you were right. It's not worked out. Can I come back? And so I had, I had that safety net. So I think I was very fortunate. Absolutely. Fortunate is definitely a good word for it because a lot of people, I think, and I learned this from one of my mentors, you know, does about 60 mil in property every year. And, and he said, Jared, what's more important than willpower is environment. Environment is stronger than willpower. And it can be at times where I had a similar story. And I think a lot of people listening might have a similar story where they might not be in the most supportive environment. I remember when I had two small online businesses and one of the guys at work who was, we were both supervisors for this plumbing firm. So we're both equal on the ladder, but he's, he said, oh, how, how are your business is going? And I said, oh, I've had you know, a pretty bad month. And he said, oh, that stuff, mate, it's never going to work. And then a lot of the other boys would give me grief about it. And maybe it's because I was in a construction industry and banter. And we also in Australia, we have this thing called the tall poppy syndrome where somebody starts to do a little bit successful. We chop them down to make ourselves feel better. Um, that's a societal conditioning thing. And I think having that actually did light a fire in my belly as well similar to you it's like stuff it i'm going to prove these guys wrong uh, so that's yeah. that competitive fire as well but having that support 
is, I would say, far better yeah. than not having the support, right? I, I think I think also with others, it's the unknown. It's it's something you know they they've not stepped out of their comfort zone. They've not yeah. tried anything entrepreneurial. They've they've just done their ninety five ninety five. There's nothing wrong with that, but they are so scared to look outside of that box that they just fear that you know it, it's it's not obtainable, it's unachievable, it's pie in the sky. And my, my wife thought that. And again, my wife needed the reassurance. I, I was lucky enough to to win a competition with Income School and Income School, um, Ricky and Jim flew to my house and they give me two days one-on-one coaching. And the thing that I got the most out of that is they sat with my wife. She, she had a quiet moment with Jim and she was like, Jim, is this really going to lead to anything? You know, are you, are you, you know, are you just you know, winding him up? Are you just, you know, leading down a path? You know, just, and he said, he said right, let me show you some numbers. And he he, sh- he showed her his websites and the income and some of the income from his, their, their customer base. Mm. And he kind of proved to her that the industry is real. And she was like, oh, I get it now. She, mm. You know, she didn't know how you made money from a website. You know, yeah. she was like, he's got no products. He doesn't sell a service. What's he going to, how's he going to make any money? So once he reassured her, I think that gave her the confidence to say, okay, I'll support him now because she couldn't support me with something she doesn't understand. So again, I was lucky and fortunate to to have that situation happen. Yeah, that's great. It is funny to think when people come and say, Jared, I want to buy a business, what people think about when they think about an online business is they do think a product, whereas the product can just be media and you can and you can put ads, affiliate, all that sort of stuff. Won't dive into that, but I want to dig into the weeds with where you're at in your businesses and your sites. So tell us where you're at. I mean, and I know that you're very open to this, uh, and share what you feel like sharing. And 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 if we go, if it's something that you don't want to share, just let us know. But I know that you're pretty open because you do do your um, income reports and stuff like that. But where are you at with websites? Have you have you bought any? Have you started all, all of them from scratch? And how many, how many are you running at the moment? So over the last four years, I've not bought a single website. I, actually, I tell, tell a lot, I've bought some really small, like kind of domain size where they've just bought it. They've put a little bit of content on. So we're going to be talking two or $3,000 is the most I've spent. Mm-hmm. I've not actually bought a up and running income generating website. I've built them all from scratch and I've, over the past four years, I haven't added it up actually, but I think it's going to be between 15 and 20 sites I've started, of which I've only got, I think, four left now. So you can do the maths. I've sold quite quite a few. I tend to build sites up to a point where they're earning or, or valued at around twenty to $50,000 because of, of it's kind of a nice... Yeah, sell value of around, yeah, I think the average one, I worked it out the other day, the average was about $26,000 for the the sites that I've sold. Mm -hmm. And I think it's just because it's a a number that's achievable for quite a few people. They can maybe, you know, dip into their savings for something like that. They're not having to take huge loans out for a site of that size. So I find it's an easy size to sell. So I've been building my community and my audience up right from day one. And I kind of knew that I would have or need a community to help me with different projects, whether that be building websites and selling them on, or whether that's launching another product, anything like that. So I was fortunate enough that I've managed to build this community behind me where if I want to sell a website, I literally just go on YouTube and say, hey, guys, that website I've been building for a year in front of you, 
which is now earning X amount of money, I'm thinking of selling it. You know, I'm open to offers, fire me an email, let's see what happens. And it usually is as simple as that. I usually get instantly three or four responses saying, I've been watching it for a year. I'll take it over. Yeah, I want to, you know, if you're coming to the end of that public case study, I'll take it over and I'll, and I'll buy it and I'll offer you, you know, whatever multiple it may be at the time. So that's where I am with the websites. I've also kind of, like I said, launched into other business ventures. So I'm a part owner in a WordPress theme called Popcorn Theme. That's been developed uh, by a friend of ours and it's fantastic. It's doing really well. It's selling like crazy. So I'm a partner in that. And then obviously the affiliate gathering is something else that I've branched into, mm. which is also, again, you know, it's a profitable business. So I'm focusing on my website still, but I am trying to get into other parts of affiliate marketing and, and the business. Yeah, cool, cool. Congrats. Also, if you ever have sites above that twenty-six dollars or $50,000 site range and you want buyers, the people listening to this podcast are cashed up hungry buyers so just reach out and we'll be able to, we'll be able to sell your site for you <laughs> yeah i mean I, I do i do have my focus last year was i, I went to an event um run by zoic in california yeah. and i met some of the biggest publishers I, I know it sounds sounds cliche but in the world they are they are these are huge huge publishers you know people are talking things like i was hearing numbers of you know oh, I'm, I'm doing 15 and 20,000 a day and i was like oh page views and i was like no dollars I was like, $20,000 a day. And they were like, yeah. Um, yeah. So I, I kind of got blown away by the whole uh, industry of at that level. And when I spoke to them, one thing that I walked away with was every single one of them that was really, really successful had been focusing on one website. Mm -hmm. They'd had it maybe for 20 years or 10 years or they were all focusing on one website. They had big teams around it. There was no distractions. They just all focus on that one. So I've done that this year. That's hence I've gone from 15 websites down to uh, four websites. Mm. I say four. One's calbrobin.com, which I'll be honest, I don't do too much on. But all my affiliate websites, I've got three of them, which they're the ones I'm focusing on. And one of them in particular was going to be my focus. I said, I'll do it for a year. 100% all down, in on that for a year. I said that. However, my backup site has took off. It's just flown. It's just flown. So I'm now a bit torn because I've now got two that's doing really well. So I can't do that all in on one website. But while two's going good, I've got to keep working on them. So, yeah, I'm, I'm active. I've got an idea. You could sell, yeah. you could sell one of them and then take yeah. the resources and pour it into pour it into the the primary one i'm a big i'm a big believer in for um if we want to grow wealth to grow wealth we need concentration to preserve wealth we need diversification yeah. and we a lot of people i'm the same i'm a similar thing probably to you and many other people thinking and listening when I first started, I thought oh, I need multiple businesses because I've been I've been taught if I'm going to invest in things and going to have business, I need diversification. And uh, I went and bought three businesses in three years and just was scattered, to be honest. And one of them did really really well. And then I sold off a few and concentrated on one. And I think that's super important for people listening because a lot of people listening, Carl, are looking to buy a business. And they want to buy multiple businesses, but they don't realize that focusing on one at one time is where you're going to actually get the results, right? Yeah, yeah. I do a lot of testing. So I'm a big, big believer in 
testing and looking at the data and the numbers. So I tend to, when I see something moving, kind of jump on it and, and kind of go all in on that one project. But if you have multiple ones sat there, they are always on your mind. Whether you whether you think it's distracting or you might be saying, say, no, I hardly ever work on it. You're thinking about it. You, you know, your brain cells are ticking over and it's always in your background saying, I should do something with that. And why don't I start building an email list for that? Again, that's just taken valuable brain processing power away from your main project. So 100%, I get it. You know, I, I like to say out of the three sites I've got, one is a public case study and it's definitely coming to the end of its lifespan. So that will be sold very soon. And it's, it's doing decent, it's doing decent money. It's probably, again, it's took me a year to build and it's probably got a $30,000 value on the site. So that's good. It's been a good public case study on YouTube. People Congrats. got a lot of lessons out of it. Mm. I've learned some new things out of it and it's paid for itself at the end. So we've got that. That would leave me with two travel sites. And like I say, both are doing really, really well. So I do have, I'm fortunate, I have built a team up that can cope with two. Uh, I definitely couldn't cope with much more than that without thinning ourselves down. Mm. But I, my team can definitely, I'm, I'm cope with two. I'm training another editor at the moment. Well, actually, I got to the point where my editor is training another editor. So cool. I've got a nice little workflow going at the moment. So um, you mentioned earlier, one thing I just want to jump back on, if you don't mind, you, you said um, kind of like when you're, when you're doing site, when you're growing sites and you're you start to earn some money, you kind of get a little bit lazy. You know, you start the money comes in and you ease off. One thing I've found is that the more money I'm earning, now I don't know if this is lazy, you might be able to tell me, but I, I'm outsourcing more and more and more each day. And I do feel a little guilty sometimes. I did yesterday, I outsourced something yesterday, and I walked away and thought, I could have done that myself. It took me 10 minutes. Why, why did I outsource that out? Um, but, you know, it was a, like a $20 job. Somebody said, hey, can I help? And I was like, yeah, just just do it, you know. Uh, and somebody reached out to me this morning for thumbnails. He's like, hey, Carl, you know, I, I, your thumbnails could be better. And I was like, okay, well, I do them. My son does them. We do a bit. And he's like, they're eight, I'll do them for $8 each. And he sent me a sample of them. Wow, they're amazing. I was like, $8? Mm -hmm. Yeah, do them. Yeah, just do them. That's another thing off my, off my plate. <laughs> I had somebody that was going to uh, partner with me <clears throat> in one of my businesses last year. Great friends with him. Still surf and skate with him and, and catch up with him. He's coming to the Flipper event with me uh, just locally here. Uh, and he said to me a really cool thing. He, he sold quite a, a significant size business on Flipper. And he said to me, the, um, the poor spend their time to make money and the wealthy spend their money to make time. And I was like, wow, because I had this hang up around getting a, a hiring um, somebody for a certain role. And I was like, wow, if I need to put myself in the wealthy category and I want to, and I believe I am wealthy in a lot of areas of life, including financially, I need to really to get to the next level. I really need to step into that and just, and it's a scary thing, right? It's much like that scariness of, Oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna put myself out there. I'm gonna go from work life, corporate career to this. It's a similar thing of like, oh, I'm, am I gonna pay that much money to get somebody else to do it? And when I feel when we do that energetically, we open up so much more space in our life to start thinking more strategically on other areas of our business that are more income generating parts of our business. And uh, yeah, I totally get where you're at because it's something that I had struggled with as I've and I still do. 
I mean, not perfect. I still do need to work on myself to get to these other levels. And I think people listening, I think it's a really good thing for them to 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 understand that you know we all go through it. And I want to, I do want to break down your your day, not maybe not your day to day, but what your team looks like, and then what your eighty twenty is that sort of gives you guys the best results. So, what does it look like in terms of team writers, editors? Um, anybody else that's a virtual assistant and, and how does it look? Yeah, so the team currently is 12 writers. Um, I'm, I, I won't say full-time. I give them as much content as I, we can handle to edit. So that's that's the issue yeah. um, because obviously at 12 writers, and it's like anything, you, 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 know, you build up a team of writers and when they first start for you, they're really enthusiastic and they're, they're pumping out content and it's great and invoices are coming in left, right and centre. And then they kind of slow down a bit. And then it's, you know, out of 12 writers, I expect X amount of articles per month. Yeah. And some hit that target and want more. Some are really slow. So it's difficult to judge how much content can come in from that. But, you know, at its fullest, we were producing about three to 400 articles a month. And it was the, the invoices and the bills that were coming in was just, you know, horrific. It was just <laughs> constant. It was you know, we're talking five, six thousand dollars a month income coming in, uh, yeah. so invoices coming in. Yeah. So the team was quite large. Now I give them twenty-five articles per month, and mm. um, for each writer, and then some of them will hit that target. Some will say, "Can I?" You know, I've only done ten. Can I roll the, the rest over to next month? And I'm okay with that. So we have yes, yeah, so twelve writers. I have one proofreader. And she basically just looks at quality of content and proofreads them. Mm-hmm. We have one main editor. He is in charge of formatting and making the articles look pretty, adding tables, charts, infographics, things like that. And then now he is training another editor um, because it's a tra- the two travel websites I've got. And we've started implementing multiple affiliate programs. So we were just with booking.com. And now we've added Expedia.com and Hotels.com. So we're going through all the old posts and we're adding multiple options to book a hotel. So if you see a hotel in the post and the only option was Booking.com link, we're now putting three links because you know Google likes you to give people options. And some of the other affiliate programs that we found now have better cookie periods. So there's a lot of work going back in the old posts and it's quite laborious and a little bit boring. So we've hired this new editor, so he's doing that, so that's fine. And then on the video side of things, I have one voiceover lady, I have two video editors. They come up with scripts and do the video editors. So in the video section, there's three people. So yeah, so proofreader, two VAs, three in the video section, and 12 writers. Yeah, cool. Yeah, you got quite a content production team there. And what's your take on? I want to get into into the revenue generation and stuff like that because you know your content's one part, and then you got your revenue generation. What's your take on the quality of content versus the velocity of content? What what are you geared to mods geared more towards, and and how do you how do you go down the quality route with your writers? Yeah. Well, we, we've we've always been down the bulk publishing. Uh, method but not low quality so it's always been human written it's always been um proofread it's always been edited nicely it's always had original images where possible we're now adding a video where possible so it is bulk 
content, but it is also of a decent quality. So, um, I, you know, I, I spoke to somebody the other day who her website gets like a million and a half views per month, and she only publishes four articles each month, and each one is like world class. And I was just like, you can get to that point when you have some traffic and some revenue coming in where you're not forced to push out you know, more uh, revenue generating content in, in bulks. There's a point where you have to get some quantity out there to get some money coming in to be able to say, okay, now we're going to ease back and we're going to really do 6,000 words, world-class pieces of content. The average person would be very hard to do that on a new site because they will just see their income coming so much slower in the beginning. They might get a little bit uh, disheartened. Uh, and they might just not follow it through. So I think in the beginning, you have to get churn out a little bit more content. But I'm definitely in, not in the camp of, you know, let's put a thousand articles of anything out, don't matter what it is. Don't, yeah. I'm not in that boot camp, you know. Good, good. I, I did get a bit of criticism on some of my um, YouTube uh, videos where I did some months publish, you know, 400 articles. Mm. And people was like, you know, it's crazy just banging out any old rubbish. I'm like, it's not. It's really good. It's human written. They're $40, $50 an article. This this isn't, you know, a $5 article, you know, randomly published. This is a decent piece of quality content. And I've always, in the last couple of years, what I've tried doing is, because these are travel websites, I've been trying to narrow the team down to specific regions. Mm. So I have writers that live in Canada. I have writers that live in India. I have writers that live in the UK. So each writer kind of works on an area that they're well adversed in. They know the area really well. So when you say, you know, Google's looking for EEAT, well, about the best I can do is making sure the article is written by somebody who lives in that country and understands the language, understands the nature of travel in that country. So I think we kind of meet in the authority that way by using writers that are specific to each country. Also, certainly is going to help you not just with the authority, but the quality of the content. Somebody that actually understands the landscape a bit more in depth, bit, understands the culture a bit more in depth, that can actually share local places for people to travel to and, and whatnot. I think that's really adds to, can help add to the quality of the content. With the velocity that you're doing, have you, what, how, how do you work out what, articles you do go back and update like what are some of the things that you track with your content to help you to see and do you even update articles and if so how often but what does that sort of that whole yeah, process they, it, journey look like for you the the workflow of updating old articles is notoriously difficult and you know laborious and tedious. <laughs> it's it, it is, and I'll be honest. And I don't know yeah. any website owner will get on your podcast and say, "Oh yeah, religiously every morning, you know, I update two old articles." <laughs> they they don't. They're lying if they say that. It, it takes a very stringent team in place to do that, and it is something that we will look back on. Finding new articles and things, like I was saying earlier, I am very data-driven. So we will look at something that has, has taken off. So ranking things like, if we publish this article, how quickly did Google rank it and how quickly did it send it you know, to the top three positions? Mm. Google often picks up on a keyword that you may not know, you may not come across. And that's happened recently. My latest case study 
it's going so well because of one keyword. I would not have even thought of it in a million years whatsoever. I logged into a tool on Ezoic and it popped up and it says, you're ranking for this. I was like, what even is that? It's, it's an activity. And I was like, what, what is that activity? And I looked in it, I was like, ah, oh, okay. So this is a new activity that's kind of popped up around the world and it's starting to grow and outlets are starting to open and it's starting to trend. So I jumped straight on it. So we covered that activity in every kind of country we could write about. Mm. And it, it absolutely took off. So we look at data like that and see what's working and what's not, because sometimes you might have this plan, you know, okay, I'm going to write every article I can about the best hotel in California and, and Disney and all of it. And it just doesn't work. You just, mm -hmm. your website is not loved by Google for that keyword. It just, just, it doesn't. And you can throw tons of backlinks and money at it and you might just never ever rank for it. But you might be ranking for something else that's working without really trying. So that's what we do. We look at what's working at the moment for our new content. And that often gives us, you know, a topical cluster or authority in that keyword or that niche. And we, we go after that. We kind of double down on that. The old content, we just look at that. I look at that at the end of every month. I just look at the investment. So I'll look at what we've written and see if something's not working at all. If it's getting less than 100 views per month, I'll look into it and see if it's worth actually spending another 30 or $40 to renew that content. Sometimes it's not. Sometimes you just look at it and you just think, it's just a topic I'm not going to rank for. And, and I can try and I can try, beat my head against the wall, but we're probably you know not going to make that article work. So sometimes we just leave it. And I've even got to the point sometimes where I've just taken off a load of articles. If they're getting 20 or 30 views on that article per month, sometimes I've just deleted it because Google's not loving it for that. And I've just got rid of it and focused on something else. But yeah, updating content is, it's hard. It's hard to do. I hate yeah. doing it. Yeah. Oh, I like I like that you you delete those those ones that are not getting much. And it's just adding to your site. It's only, I think over time, it can drag your site down where Google's like, look, yeah. you've got some really good ones, but these things are just like, why, why Why? are you taking up space on the internet for even having those when people are going to get more value from your other other articles there? Yeah, so, I mean, technically, technically, you, you know, you're slowing your server down, you're putting yeah. weight on, you know, the article. There's, there's uh, links that might be um, 401, the links that might be errors on it, 404 errors, there could be anything on it. So... You know, there might be Amazon products that's gone out of stock. That's a bad, bad sign to, you know, to Google. So there could be all sorts happening on that page that you think, well, it only gets 20 or 30 views per month. But if there's all these bad signals, broken links and things like that in yeah. that article, it's actually doing a detriment to you being sat there. So, yeah, that's that's the ones that we kind of get rid of. Yeah, hugely, hugely. And do you track all of that? Uh, how do you track all of that? Broken links and things like that, we can use tools like Screaming Frog is a really good one. Yeah. Uh, just It'll just crawl the site and it'll pull up everything from um, titles being too long, um, maybe missing a featured image, maybe it's missing a meta description. It can pull out things like that. We're actually working inside um, Popcorn Theme. We're actually building a lot of these plugins into that theme now. So it, can, it is now capable of doing things like it'll tell you if you've got missing images, it'll tell you word count. Uh, it'll tell you if you're missing meta descriptions. So we try to build a lot of tools into that because I hate plugins. I'm mm -hmm. an absolute avid believer of you just do not need probably 
70% of the plugins you've got on your website, you probably do not need. And, yeah. you know, I, I get rid of as many as I can. I like to only have about five or six plugins on my websites now. And I'm trying to build as many tools into that theme so that, you know, people can disable and stop paying some of those monthly subscriptions for mm -hmm. a tool that they just do not need. Don't so, need, don't Yeah. Work. Yeah. That's a good thing just, about Ezoic, right? Is Ezoic, you get into their leap program and and you speak to their team and and I know a lot of people that I've helped move and transition to using Ezoic. Ezoic has helped them so much speed up their site, make their site way better with less plugins and just less things going on in their site. And I think it's so helpful. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I mean, a lot of the, you know, all the advertising companies are really helpful and they'll all help you speed up your site and get rid of some of the plugins. I think it just takes a bit, a bit of, um, you know, a bit of nerve to go into your website and go, okay, do I just click deactivate on that? What will it do? And they click deactivate and they go back to the site and nothing's changed, you know, yeah. and, you know, things like images. And you've got a you know, backup are, as well. Like you can always yeah. revert to a backup. Yeah. From your you hosting. can always reverse the yeah absolutely yeah uh, you know little things like you know image optimization people mm. always put you know image optimization plugins on their site and they pay a monthly fee to optimize each image it's like how many images have you got because i'll be honest each day we publish let's say we publish 10 articles per day it's very easy for us just to go into you know, Adobe Stock or Canva and just get an image and make the file size smaller, reduce it down and add it to the article. It takes five minutes. Mm -hmm. And that's another plugin we don't need. And it's another monthly subscription we don't need. So yeah. just taking that care of uh, optimizing your images before you're putting them on the blog post, then it just means you don't need another plugin. And, and people say, oh, it saves you so much time. It's like, if you're publishing hundreds a, a month, yeah. I get it. But if you're publishing four a day, you cannot spend 10 minutes to optimize your images. That's, that seems seems crazy. And it should be a part of the process that the content team is is doing mm -hmm. in the production of it anyway. Yeah. So when it comes to creating these pieces of content, how much emphasis do you give and put on the writers to do competitive research? Well, my writers are at this stage now where I'm fortunate that they're all quite established and they're all um, experienced with me and our processes and things like that. So we we don't ask for, we don't put really specific guidelines in there. We don't say, here's 25 keywords and here's an A4 sheet of instructions for each one. They're all experienced enough now to kind of understand what I want and what we're looking for. Mm -hmm. We... My editor is really good at spotting things. In fact, just before this call, I just jumped on an email because I can see he's pulled one of my writers and he is, is amazing. He screenshots everything and he links it. He says, you know, you took that sentence from that website. I don't know how he finds it, but he's wow, like, you took great. that sentence from there and, you know, um, you haven't cited that it's their quote. And, you know, if we're going to do that, we need to highlight it. And it's fantastic. So, mm. um, but as far as instructions go, we only really give them instructions and examples right at the very start if we're hiring a new writer. We, we've we made quite a few videos as well, so I will send them links. I'll say, this is how I want you to format the article to help the editor, and I'll send them the video so they can watch how to do that. Mm. It's all about kind of giving feedback, really, because the more feedback that you give, the less work you'll have in the long run. And I know for a lot of people, it's really hard to give that feedback. It's really hard to go back to the writer and say, I'm really sorry, but 
you know, you've not included any bullet points or H3 or H4 headings in there. Mm. I can't see any quotations. You've not highlighted or bolded any keywords. And it's really hard for a lot of people to do that. But trust me, majority of them will come back and say, oh, great. Thanks for the feedback. I was wondering if you wanted that. Now you've cleared that up. I'll do it. I was going to do it anyway. And you're like, Phew. you know, and it just saves everybody so much work. So it's so much better to give them that feedback early. And it just saves that snowball effect of, you know, either not getting the, co uh, the content how you want it or your editor having to do more work. So, you know, I I'm keen on that because as it goes down the pipeline, the kind of this chain of command, the invoices for them doing that work gets more expensive, if you know mm -hmm. what I mean. So I'd rather the work be done at the beginning where the uh, the cost is is quite low because once it gets to the top of that chain where my editor's having to go in and correct things, that gets expensive. So you have to yeah, make sure that really feedback is constant. Point. It's a really good point. Whenever you, whenever you do hire somebody, and I've hired somebody that I've been training for almost a year in our business and working with him so much and we have so much contact because he's going to play a big role in the business and even if even for a writer the more prep work that you do when you first hire them like the more onboarding the better the onboarding process is the more they understand your brand the more they understand what you want and the more quality assurance you make sure they go through you're what you're actually doing is you're setting them up for success. And when you set them up for success, you set your business up for success. And whenever somebody is employed, I know for myself, all I want to do to go to my boss is go to my boss and say, what do you exact like what do you want exactly? What do you want it to look like? And how can I make you happy? And when you do that and when you provide that to your worker, everybody wins. <laughs> yeah. It's it's a it's a difficult thing to to do because people are they seem almost kind of ashamed to ask a question, you know, to actually say, you know, Jared, I, I, I don't actually quite know what you want from this in interview. Tell me right from the start, what are we aiming for? What's the outcome? Yeah. What's your goals? Because I want to I want to provide that for you and your audience. You know, I want to talk and satisfy you and make sure your audience is good. So sometimes it's difficult to say that. And I, I think it's mm -hmm. so important that we learn, you know, to communicate that both good and bad as well. You know, I'm a positive, you know, I'm a real believer on giving all types of feedback, whether that be positive or negative. You just got to do it in the correct manner. Uh, I, did, I sent an email out recently, uh, actually a video, sorry, saying about feedback, giving feedback to your team, you know, not calling people out on a, a group chat, you know, but saying, you know, hey, we'll pick that up after after the conference, you know what I mean? And, and doing yeah. feedback in a, a the correct manner because, you know, feedback is hard to give. And if it's given incorrectly, it can be a nightmare. You, you, words cannot be unspoken. So sometimes you've got to be very careful how you do it. I even ask, and I came across this and it was, I think it was a realization when I had this, this discussion just on the weekend around taking the ego out of us building our businesses like I built this business, thinking about, well, the business only exists because there's human beings that need to consume our media or uh, use buy and buy our products. So it only grew because they existed and they wanted it. And we only were able to evolve our content and our media and everything that we do based on how they react and how they behave. And if we actually, what I like to do in my membership and even people listen to the podcast, if you have constructive criticism, just 
tell me because I want to give you guys what you want. And the more that I give you guys what you want, the more you win and the more that I win. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I gave some criticism to a, a company um, recently because they were sending out this email and I, I noticed something that was in it and I noticed what they were doing in their company. And I hear things. I'm, you know, I'm in the industry. I have, you know, boots on the ground. I have ears in the field. I, mm -hmm. I hear it. And I kind of just find them an email because I know the owner. And I just said, I know he's not actively um, in the company. I know he owns it, but he's not active. And I just said, hey, you know, been getting this from your company. Uh, and I think you just need to be careful with the direction you go in. And I see what you're saying and what you're doing is contradictory. And it, it just doesn't feel right. And it's been picked up in the industry i can hear the rumors i can hear people talk about it. maybe it's just something you want to look into check in check into the company have a word with the the manager maybe you know you want to take a look at what's happening and i got Good a really you. crappy email back just oh, saying no. something like we you know we've got this you know don't worry about it and i was just like okay you know and it was just like i was just oh, like no. i was like i would rather somebody say that to me you know that something's wrong you know i had a real life example the other day i had an interview with carolyn shelby mm. and i i was using ai to generate some you know some clicky you know uh, catchy titles and it came up with one i thought oh that's really good and i just put it in my video and i didn't kind of realize the undertone the title had it was kind of referring to her as if as if she's special because she's a female if you kind of know what i mean I, and i read the title and i was like yeah She's special because she's Carolyn. It's not special because she's a female. <laughs> and I was like, okay. And it pointed somebody, you know, a good friend, a big person in the industry called me out of it and said, um, I love you, Carl, but I, I hate that title. It has oh. some implications in that title. And I was right. I was like, do you know what? You're right. It was late mm -hmm. at night. I was tired. I banged it on. I haven't thought about it. Thank you for the feedback. I instantly changed it. And I just thought, you know, that's great. You know, a lot of people would be worried about that. Oh, Cal's been called out in a video. No, great. <laughs> you know, if, it's because you don't that. have an ego, though, Carl. Like it's it's like yeah. you you get like you are in business to to do good, and if somebody's going to tell you how to do good, you're going to do it. Like you don't know, like yeah. yeah. Like I say to, say to everybody, challenge, challenge, challenge everybody, challenge me, yeah. challenge you. Like it's. What, we you, was, you was mentioned earlier about growing a business and, you know, people having egos because maybe they want to say, you know, I've grown this website to X amount of money. I've grown this business. I don't care who grows my business. I just want my business to grow. <laughs> you know, I, I'm happy to go on YouTube and say, hey, this website is making you know, $10,000 a week. And I've done nothing. My team has done it all. They are amazing. Yeah. I, I'm yeah. happy to do that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's funny. It comes back to, and I've talked about this so many times. Um, people like, like to call them the self-made millionaire or self, self-made entrepreneur is actually literally impossible because whenever yeah. you just listen to a podcast episode, a YouTube video, read a book or hear some piece of advice from anybody, you're getting help from somebody. So yeah, it's, it's just an ego thing. I want to touch on the videos. <clears throat> yeah. So you, you do video production. Obviously there's scripts, not talking head head videos, of course. Um, I'm saying I'm, I'm guessing you've got B roll and images and stuff like that with a script and a voiceover. And then, what's your strategy with that? Are you posting those on YouTube, and is YouTube driving traffic to your site for affiliate revenue, or driving traffic straight from your YouTube videos to uh, affiliate affiliate links? And is it a combination of both? Like you know, having 
video on the in the pieces of content embedded in the pieces of content to add more value as well so yeah what's your strategy yeah. with the videos so with videos previously so i'm talking maybe six months ago it was all just carl broadbent and it was all my videos and a lot of them are talking head videos on my youtube channel basically me just talking about what i do in the industry each day and i've always said i don't teach anything I, don't, I really do not have any courses. I don't teach anything. It's just a case of I'll show you what I'm doing. If it works, you might want to try it. If it doesn't, it doesn't. Don't mm -hmm. blame me. It's just what I'm doing. That's mm -hmm. literally all it was. In my websites now, it's only in the last six months I've really got into video because I, I just had this, uh, I don't know if you call it an epiphany or whatever. I just, just one day I just said to my wife, how many articles have you read today? She was like, what? I was like, how many 2,000-word articles have you read? I searched on Google and read an article. She went, I don't think I've done any. I said, right, okay. I said, how many videos uh, have you watched on YouTube, TikTok, whatever? And she went, oh, loads, loads. My GHD hair curlers weren't working. And I, I jumped on and I quickly – and I'm like, exactly. I said, well, they're all video content. She went, yeah. And I just kind of thought, I'm like, well, why am I publishing zero videos per month but 400 blog posts? And I kind of thought there's a shift going on here. So mm. I didn't want to get left behind. So that's why I started building a team of, of, of editors, video production people. And that's why we're focusing on that. At the moment, the strategy is we are taking our most popular articles, if they warrant it, and that's the key, and then making a video around that. And then we're putting it on YouTube and we link the two together. Mm -hmm. Now, the strategy for that is I want Google to see that we've gone the extra mile. I want Google to say, okay, they've covered this topic with, let's say, 3,000 words, mm -hmm. but they've also gone the extra mile and put their own images on there, their original images. They've also made a video. Wow, they made a video, and there's a video on there. Sometimes we might even put an audio file in where they can just listen to the blog post. Mm -hmm. So just doing that extra thing so that Google can link the two things together and see that we're actively um, really pushing our business because that's what that's, Google is not as smart as people think. Google just looks for signs that you are a real business. It yes. is literally looking for signs that you are a business. If you had a bricks and mortar shop, let's say you're opening a, a surf shop, right? What are you going to do when you open a surf shop? You're going to get a telephone line and you're going to register that under the company name. You're going to put up and advertise your opening times. You're going to do, you're going to do that. You're going to mm -hmm. take insurance out on your, mm -hmm. your business. You're going to do all the things that a business would do. Why is it any different for a website? And that's what Google's looking at. So Google's looking at them signs that you are treating it like a company. Mm -hmm. Again, if you had a surf shop, you would be on social media. You would be posting your videos of you surf, surfing, you know, doing all that. You would be doing that. And that, again, is what Google's looking for. So that's one of the reasons why we wanted the videos on there, to add power to the website and let Google know, hey, we're taking this website serious. We're not just publishing content and forgetting about it. I do want to get into video content where it is more product-focused. I do want to do that. I would mm -hmm. like to get to the point where the channels are earning enough revenue or through affiliate clicks or through, pay, uh, through views on YouTube, through Google AdSense, Rather than them just backing up the website, I would like there to be two entities going on there. Mm -hmm. But at the moment, they're not. They're just the channels are just backing up the blog posts, really. Yeah, and there's there's a cool strategy that you could use. I dare say, um, I know YouTube. We've we do okay from YouTube um, with our channel. Just but the ad revenue is not a thing. 
and I dare say the affiliate revenue you generate will be far superior. But I think a cool strategy for for YouTube videos and affiliate is teeing up with brands that offer adventures and asking for their some of their content and rights to use some of their content to promote them on your channel and link to oh, them. Yeah. So you can get content from the actual uh, adventures or the experiences that might be in local areas that promote their thing, but you do it as an affiliate. So you get free content and you got basically not free videos. You can you have to edit them and all that sort of stuff, but then you then you don't need to pay for somebody to go out and do the experiences and stuff like that. I think that's a really cool way that you could do it without have, having to you know um, spend too much money on uh, getting content created for the videos. Yeah, see, exactly. That's the reason why I like to meet up on calls, meet up in person, because you get the little nuggets of gold like that. So yeah, you're absolutely right. And you know, imagine how you can repurpose that content. You know, it can be used on TikTok, it can be used on Instagram. You know, it's everywhere. So. No, that's really, that's absolutely fantastic. And the travel industry, there is a lot of people. I have actually have you just. I mean, it's fantastic. Could just just remind me. I have two or three YouTuber friends who are in the travel industry that do that. So it'd be so easy for me to go. Hey, you know, I've never thought of this. This would be great. Yeah, it'd be it. It is to say, you know, hey, film me a little bit of content and I'll yeah. promote your channel. But I get a bit of uh, video content out of it as well. So there you go, yeah. Jared. Thank you very much. Oh, you're welcome. <laughs> and and or they may already have the content there that you can say hey just if you're happy for me to you know share a bit then and yeah we can both make money then you don't need to get content you don't need to create the content you just edit some and chuck some affiliate links and they win and you win so cool yeah absolutely fantastic yeah like like say the you know the the reason i did you know the affiliate gathering was to do that to what we've just done to have these conversations to get them little nuggets of information because you know, you just don't have that sometimes in a group setting online where, you know, you can get it if it's a very small or personal group. But you know, that actual meeting face-to-face or one-on-one gets you them little bits of information. So, mm. yeah, it's fantastic. Fantastic. Cool. Yeah, let's, let's, let's check in in a year and see how that goes. Oh, there's one more thing that I do want to speak about is those, those pieces of content that you see like, oh, these are deemed worthy having videos. Um, or these are deemed worthy, you know, adding a bit more to it and, and yeah. pumping it up because it's it's doing quite well and it's doing a lot of traffic. Do you, all those ones that maybe underperforming a little bit that that you feel like, oh, it's the content is really good and it's better than the competitors, but it needs something else, and that might be links. Do you do any link building? The only link building we do is Hara. It's the only links at the moment I feel worth the value. Mm-hmm. I've I've spent tens of thousands of dollars previously getting you know <laughs> da 20 and 30 links and yeah. you know it's yeah, just yeah. that none of them hold much value at all the, the only right. ones we're finding that are doing anything are you know harrow links where you're getting links from you know da sites 70 and above yeah one, one link from something like that will be the equivalent to 20 or 30 smaller links so Yep. Yeah, that Harrow Links is the only ones we're doing. And we're not doing that ourselves. I am outsourcing it because, again, it is a time suck. It is really, really draining to do Harrow. It's sending out dozens and dozens of pictures each day to hopefully get one accept you. So yeah. that, that is a cost. It is ex- very expensive, but I do feel that is one cost that is worth it. And we don't go overboard. I, I try and do five per month per okay. site. 
Cool. So that that's that's the amount I do. The other thing I worry about with Haro Links is that the majority are coming from newspapers and or online publications and things like that, where they only link to your homepage. They won't link to individual articles. Yeah. So sending 30, 40 high-powered links to the homepage each month looks a little suspicious. It looks a little bit over the top. So People might go, wait a minute. Naturally, natural. they only got one. Yeah. Yeah, unnatural for sure. Yeah, so I just think five is absolutely fine, mm-hmm. uh, and I would I would rather spread the the anchor links, uh, the anchor text as much as possible. But Harrow doesn't do that. You know, the, most of them just go, no, we just we just put in there. It's X dot com company. That's all we put. So that that is a little little bit of a worry when doing that. Oh, that's a great strategy, honestly. Some people just go crazy, and I see that happen with people we won't get into it um into it too into the discussion too much but into this particular topic but some people went to velocity with just articles and putting so much and and have been able to use certain tools to go velocity publishing like just a lot a lot and then you google's you know you're publishing a thousand posts a month that is not natural yeah, for Google to yeah. see like why, how, how this is not what we want. We want you yeah. to maybe create five to twenty amazing pieces, not a thousand crummy ones. Um, Google's Google is yeah smart in that it, way. Well, Google looks for patterns. You know, I mm. I've been blessed to have a few conversations with people very high up in Google. Uh, one was a couple of years ago where um, I think the guy had, had a, a little bit to drink and he was just like, you know, he was in the comments tweeting or something like that. And I was, I was like, <laughs> you know, you guys say so much in the comments, but you never have these conversations face to face and really prove your worth sort of thing. He was like, okay, jump online then. I was like, well, and he sent me a link and I jumped on and he's, um, he worked, he was one of the original founders of the, like the algorithm program. He's one of the original programmers and he worked at the highest level uh, in Google on their al- algorithm program. And he wow. said, you know, it's as simple sometimes as somebody has put a zero where a one should be. And I was like, what? And he was just like, you think this is really complicated? He said, yeah, but, you know, if your site gets, if there's an, up- uh, an, algorithm, up- uh, um, an algorithm update and, you know, you're thinking, oh, they're very strategic, they've very done that, he said, there's a lot of internal things that's happened that you don't know. Somebody may have got a new job post and he's trying to prove himself in the company and he's, mm-hmm. he, he's, work, he's playing with things, he's changing things and it hits us hard, but we don't realise the internal struggle that's going on. He said, and it's just simply somebody's accidentally put a zero where a one should be. He said, and that's it. And then they reverse it. Somebody finds out it hasn't worked and they reverse it next month and they do that. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, he was just saying so much uh, about that kind of thing, which kind of blew my mind with actually how we look at, at Google and how we look at our business and how we look at SEO in general. Mm. I think sometimes we, we look too deep and think there's, you know, start thinking and making up stories about what's happening. They're attacking me. They're going after me. They're going after that. And sometimes it's just a case of, you know, it's just, you know, Google's got it wrong or they'll roll it back or there's an error. So, yeah, yeah. it's quite interesting still. That's, that's a cool story, Carl. I, I'm, I'm a big believer in that. A lot of us, I think, in the content site space, get very granular, yeah. and and don't come back and have a good bird's eye view of like, oh, like these are the main things. This is the eighty twenty, and get too lost in like 
the tech of it all and the the granular things. So, uh, yeah. Carl, this has been so fun to chat. I'm, I'm glad that you came back on. I'm sure we're going to do it again soon. I want to send people to your YouTube channel uh, so people can check out, you know, you talking about what you're doing with your sites. What is the name of your YouTube channel? So we can yeah, uh, just, link just, just go on YouTube and just search Carl Broadbent. You'll find me I'll pop up for most things related to niche websites. And uh, I do have calbromit.com is my website. Like I say I'm not as active as I should be on there. Um, but yeah, YouTube is where I'm, I'm mostly active. And Carl Broadbent, you can get to with affiliate gathering. You've also got a link to affiliate gathering for people that may want to go in 2024 as well, right? Yeah, absolutely. And if anybody couldn't attend the 2023 one, we do have a digital version available to purchase. So you cool. can uh, go to the website affiliategathering.com and there will be a link on there, probably on the homepage, where you can purchase a digital copy. So you can watch what's gone on. We're going to record all the uh, presentations, dozens of workshops going on, networking zones, all the backstage gossip, things like that. So we're going to put a presentation together, a digital copy, so that you know, if you couldn't travel and see us, um, that you will still get to feel part of it and maybe learn something as well. But, yeah, it'd be great if anybody can come out to the next one. We try and do them annually here in the UK. It's only a one-day event, but I think it's, I think it's um, really valuable that people can try and event, uh, attend in person. I think, it is, I think that's the key thing, but it, it is a big stretch. I went to California recently, and it was one of the biggest things I've undertaken. I'm not a traveler. I really are. Um, I, I tend to stick to, to the UK. But, yeah, I traveled to California, so I know how much of a big deal it is. But I came back so inspired. I came back with, you know, so much enthusiasm for the industry. Mm. And the way my, I run my business, it was, it was valuable for me to go to that. And, you know, I'll certainly be traveling tomorrow myself. Yeah, Awesome. Awesome. It's good that we can do in-person stuff now. Everybody that is listening, thank you for listening. Check out the links that I'll be posting in the show notes um, for so you can check out Carl, what he's doing with affiliate gathering and all the things that he's got going on. Um, yeah, thanks for coming on again, Carl. Thank you very much for having me. It's been lovely to talk to you. Yeah.